Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Two of our broadcasts. And I want to speak very candidly on really one subject that's broken into two different categories. The one subject is sex. Sex. Okay, for those of you who are very sensitive on this subject, I just want to give you a heads up, because I'm going to be very straightforward about some things. Some of you are going to be offended by some of the things I'm communicating to you today, but so be it. It would not be the first time. I've not spent any time on this until today, but I wanted to do this today, especially in association with the story I'm going to share afterwards. This story, first detailing what has happened within the Southern Baptist Convention, and I want to make something very clear. I'm not picking on the Southern Baptist Convention. We've seen the scandals in the Catholic Church, and I'm sure there is no human organization on the planet that's not had issues with sexual abuse or scandal. It's just reality. This particular story, talking about the dark and difficult day that's come for the Southern Baptist Convention. Eric Costanzo saying, we knew it was coming. It needed to come. It's devastating. As the prophet Isaiah warned, what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Southern Baptist Convention and our Convention of Churches now have nowhere to turn, nowhere to run, no place left to look but inward. Guidepost Solutions released the full report on their independent investigation of the SBC's Executive Committee and Audit of the Credentials Committee. Their findings reveal both shameful actions and inaction regarding acts of sexual abuse, failure to report sexual abuse, and the mistreatment of victims and survivors of sexual abuse by SBC leaders at the executive entity, the local church, and personal levels. The Southern Baptist Convention has released a list of alleged abusers. Eric Costanzo saying, as a pastor who holds degrees from Southern Baptist Convention schools and has served on boards for Southern Baptist Convention entities, I am mortified by what this report has disclosed. Our churches, many of our leaders, have failed to protect the most vulnerable who have been entrusted to them. We've also failed to create a safe environment for victims to report abuse and for survivors to share, heal, and help protect future victims. Far too often, we've addressed our shameful actions and attitudes with dismissive language like, can we stop dwelling on the past and just focus on preaching the gospel? <laughs> this kind of deflection has run its course. It's long past time we stop placing blame on anyone but ourselves. Even though abuse or the cover-up of abuse didn't happen in, any in my particular church, I bear responsibility with my fellow SBC pastors. 
because we are in a convention of churches that boasts of being built on unity and cooperation. I love this. I so appreciate this guy's humility in accepting responsibility. It's a shared responsibility, isn't it? When just one pastor commits or covers up abuse, all our churches and our collective witness are stained. We must all acknowledge our failures, repent, and bring about the sweeping changes needed to honor the Lord, His Word, and the vulnerable in our care. It's long past time we open positions of leadership and influence to our faithful SBC women who have been warning us of these dangers for years and yet have continually been ignored and denied seats at the table. Boy, this is going to cause some manifestations. Having almost exclusively male leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention has clearly failed both victims and survivors of sexual abuse. Thankfully, we've got many faithful women of the highest caliber in the SBC who are ready to help lead us forward at this critical time. The truth is, the disaster that's come upon the Southern Baptist Convention did not begin with the release of report, nor our disaster began the very first moment that abuse took place on our watch. We failed in prevention, response, and care. For far too long, leaders and pastors have rationalized the cover-up of sexual abuse and the disregard of even shaming of victims by claiming we were protecting Christ's church. Such rationalizations, in fact, lack any biblical reason. After all, if we who are called shepherds are not protecting Christ's sheep, we're certainly not protecting his church. In addition to taking collective action as a convention, each individual church must commit to a steadfast plan of action for improving abuse prevention, reporting, and care. I love this. This guy's right on the money. Right on the money. Eric Costanzo is the lead pastor of South Tulsa Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His book sounds interesting, Inalienable, How Marginalized Kingdom Voices Can Help Save the American Church. Boy, that'll preach. And we need to look closer. If we're not in the Southern Baptist Convention, we need to look at the organizations of which we are a part. How many of us just take the attitude, well, the leaders will take care of this or that. All we'll do is just pay our tithes. If that's what you do, shame on you. That is an abomination. That's not a church. That's a business. My friend Terry posted this. I love this. While irritated at Catholics and Baptists for covering up church family sex abuse, I have to acknowledge I know five plus, five plus such at holiness churches. We really need more discernment and the nerve to call the police. Terry, 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 he's right on the money. How many times? If I heard situations where the police have been kept out of things, oh, we will handle it. My heart is grieved for the souls that have been harmed along the way. You know, it's kind of interesting to me. 
I think a lot of what's happened is we've lost of what the church is supposed to be. The thing that we are to exemplify above everything else is love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. That's what we ought to be known for and excelling in. Unfortunately, we have a reputation for a lot of other things that are not <laughs> not associated with love. I'll tell you that much for sure. Coming up, I'm going to give you an extreme example of something that I think we need to do some self-examination in this particular area. Some of you may agree with the story I'm about ready to share. If you do, God help you. But it's also a launching point for some observations. And I know some things the Lord has been teaching me in recent years. And I have to tell you, the place I'm in now and the love that I have for people, the contempt and the disdain that I've held for certain people, no longer there. We're going to talk about this as we continue Faith Focus Friday. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Back on the text line, Vincent Church I used to attend had a policy, do not be in a room alone with a child or a woman. There's means of preventing such abuses and a safeguard over the years against false accusations. Definitely a policy needs to be adopted by all churches. The churches over the years have broken trust with many over the years over various stuff. Let's try and change it. Jeff, I'm with you on that. Vince would love your take on love your neighbor and how individuals tend to live in areas similar to themselves. It's easy for me to love my neighbor. <laughs> when they have similar upper middle class status and frankly don't need much support from me in a charitable way, I've almost been tempted to move to a more poverty stricken area so I can more directly love my neighbor. Can I just tell you, let God lead you. That's where he leads you great. You know, it's kind of interesting. I had a conversation with some people with a particular church that I used to be a part of. And I raised this question because I looked and I saw all of the churches that are, quote, planted. They never plant a church. At least from what I was able to see. In an area that is challenged. In an area that is known for a strong minority presence. Let's not kid ourselves, folks. Much of what is done in the name of church planting is driven by marketing and driven by market research. Can this community support 
the kind of entity that we're building. Don't kid yourselves, folks. Much of this is about money and power. I'm going to go into a subject that's going to make some of you uncomfortable. But it needs to be done. The Fort Worth Star-Telegram has this story. These people should be put to death. DFW pastor calls for LGBT people to be executed. Do you remember the other day I shared with you? I've been reading the Michael Brown book. In fact, I have this still in here. And uh, to quickly communicate this, without going into all of this, the author Michael Brown, who I know, did a lecture series, and he was very, very inclusive in terms of inviting people from the community, from the gay community, even to speak. And everything communicated was in a very loving spirit, while holding on to the very strong position of opposition to homosexuality. And one person at the end of this, and, and I want to repeat this quote, and you'll understand why I'm repeating this. This guy shares his, quote, testimony. This guy's gay. And he said something quite striking. You had some very good points, and they were couched in very compassionate language. But for a person like me throughout this whole thing, all I'm going to hear is the queers need to die. Now, I've communicated this from the angle that this is where a lot of people are. They are hearing things that is not being said. And it's unfortunate. But tragically, you've got people who are saying it. Like this pastor. Pastor in North Texas Church. Evicted in February from its building for trying to incite violence against the LGBT community is facing protests again after calling for gay people to be executed. What does God say is the answer, the solution to the homosexual in 2022, here in the New Testament, here in the book of Romans, that they are worthy of death. This guy's name is Dylan Oz from Steadfast Baptist Church. It sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? Steadfast Baptist Church in Watauga. Preached this during a Sunday sermon. What I think is really funny is I bet if you were to go through that list of things that are mentioned in the book of Romans of people worthy of death, homosexuality is not the only item mentioned, but it's a favorite. It's a favorite target for some people. So Oz continues, these people should be put to death. Every single homosexual in our country should be charged with a crime, the abomination of homosexuality that they have. They should be convicted in a lawful trial. They should be sentenced to death. They should be lined up against a wall and shot in the back of the head. This is a real person who said this. And frankly, it doesn't surprise me. The sad thing is there is an audience for this within the so-called church. And let me just tell you, if this is your view, stay the hell away from me. Really, I don't want anything to do with people like this. I reject hatred in all of its forms. And the worst form is that which would hide behind Scripture to justify it. Keep it away. Brandy Satillo, the mother of an LGBT child and a woman who identifies as LGBT, has been protesting outside this church at every sermon for nine months.
She was protesting when the church was based out of Hearst, the location for which they were evicted, for breaching their lease and advocating violence against LGBT people. She's not surprised by these words in the sermon. She's been surprised by how much support she's had in her protests outside the church. People showing up with her. She has a Facebook group. She runs No Hate in Hearst. See, and I, this is where I draw an important distinction. It's one thing to take a stand against homosexuality. It's another thing to advocate harming people. She called this sermon absolutely horrific to hear. Horrific. I told you recently, and in fact we had a candidate for city council on this program, and one of the things that I acknowledged to him is that I would not have had a conversation with him several years ago. I would have dismissed someone like him completely. He shared a little bit of his story. We had lunch this week. And there's something that I want to go into, learn more about his story. But I know enough that as soon as he told me about part of it, I immediately, my heart was stirred because I realized this guy's been a subject of abuse. I also add this. Just last night, I ran into a a young man who's in this lifestyle. His parents, I don't need to mention the religion, have completely rejected him. Completely. The question I ask of you, fellow believers, what kind of love are we going to show people like this who've already experienced rejection? Do you think God wants us to show his love instead of advocating their deaths? Just a question. (laughs) Stay with us. And we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. I hope that what I shared during Faith Focus Friday was something that registered and connected. You know, and and I think in general, it's not an exaggeration to say there are a lot of people out there who really are in desperate need of experiencing God's love. They really are. I want to get to a call in just a bit, but I want to touch on two very important stories that are developing this hour. I want you to be aware of this. The U.S. has now lifted the test requirement for international travel. Yes, I'm praising the the Biden administration for something. It's about freaking time. The Biden administration lifting the requirement international air travelers to the U.S. take a COVID-19 test within a day before boarding their flights, easing one of the last remaining government mandates meant to control the spread of the coronavirus. A senior administration official saying the mandate expires Sunday at 12.01 a.m. 
The CDC says it's no longer necessary. Boy, this is wonderful. I have a friend who tested positive for COVID, asymptomatic, coming back from a foreign country, had to stay an additional week because of this. Let's just, I'm glad to see an end to this nonsense. I also, though, want to tell you about the ongoing threat. I'm not going to exaggerate the threat, but at the same time, I do not want to ignore the threat. South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control has sent out a plea. They're concerned about rising COVID levels in the state, urging people to get vaccinated, boosted, and wear a mask if you live in areas with rising coronavirus levels. So they're warning about an increase in cases in certain areas. So I think it's worth repeating this warning, this caution, and I've said before, probably the places you've got to be most concerned about are the population centers. But again, consult with your doctor about what is the best thing to do for you and your family. Let us go out to a call from Jim and follow up to Faith Focus Friday. Good morning, Jim, and welcome. Jim, are you there? Hey, I am here. Sorry, Vince. Um, can you hear me okay? I've got you well. All right, very good. Um, just wanted to, uh, first of all, say thank you for letting me call in and uh, share my thoughts. Um, I do have a gay daughter, and um, I want to say that it. When I first found out, I was absolutely astounded. I'm a Christian man. My wife is. We've been Christians for many years, brought our kids up that way. But uh, when my daughter told me this, I was absolutely astounded and, and pretty much mad because I, I just was, I can't believe my child was this way. But um, one of the things that I would say that uh, I had to come to grips with was hate of sin. Um, what I've learned through my process here, and it has been a process, is that I need to hate the sin and not hate the sinner, as, as the Bible says. And I think that I have finally come to that point. However, I love my daughter dearly. I love her partner dearly. But I would say that I hate their sin, and I still hate their sin, and it just it, it, it makes me sick to my stomach, the sin does. But I love them, and that hasn't changed. Um, mm. And I think that people that are so... Uh, how should I say, negative or want to see people hurt over this, um, I, I kind of believe that they probably have not gone through what I've gone through. So I think that they're speaking out of turn. I guess that's, I just want people to know that to hate the sin, but not hate the sinner. Yep. I am there with you. And Jim, I so appreciate your call, your humility in, in sharing what you have and in walking through this journey because you know, um, the utmost concern that you have is for your daughter and um, um, you I most of all her relationship with God is the most important thing and my concern is that so I still pray every day for her to that yes her heart will change yes absolutely and and if I could you know I'm, I'm if I may presume to give you counsel and advice uh, I would just encourage you I would not even focus on that particular issue Jim I would focus on, if, if your concern is about her relationship with God, focus on that. And what I found, let me give you an example, and, and I'll tell you what I mean by this. I remember a friend of mine sharing about um, 
a testimony of some people they have been reaching out to. And there was a couple that started coming to some Bible studies. And ultimately, they both got baptized. Turns out this couple was living together, okay, which we would recognize within Christendom. This is not something that Christian believers do. Well, interestingly enough, the Lord spoke to both of them. They decided to go out and get married without this ever being addressed by the person who was ministering to them, who was sharing the gospel with them. So I think a lot of times we have this idea we've got to fix people. We've got a little list. See, I, I've done this. I've had my lists in my, well, this person needs to overcome this sin or grow in this area or that area. You know, our, our hearts and our desire should be for them to encounter Jesus. And once he gets a hold of them, he will deal with whatever in the priority he, he sees fit. Uh, is that helpful, Jim? Yeah, and I think sometimes we, we like to be, well, because we, we're humans and we're sinners, we like to look at and compare sins, right? Oh, my I mean, goodness. I, I got to share this. I got to share this text with you. We're about out of time here, Jim. We got to share this with you on the text line. One rarely hears a Baptist pastor call for gluttons to be put to death. And the point of this is, <laughs> I've made jokes about this plenty of times, about alcohol, about other things. We're very selective, aren't we, about sins, Jim? You know? Absolutely. And the truth of the matter is, if we, if one person, one group deserves to be put de to death over sin, we all do. Because truthfully, we do all deserve death. Jim, thanks for Absolutely. calling. Keep us posted, and uh, we'll be praying as you continue your journey of love. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Stay with us. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday, and it's time for us to take a look at the day in history. As we uh, take a look at a total of uh, nine items here, are you ready for this, Bernie? Yes, I am. Let's get to it. We begin in 1752. 1752 is the year. This person flew his kite in a thunderstorm to collect lightning in a jar. Who was this person? Thomas Edison. Oh, oh, oh I'm such an no. idiot. Oh, I'm such an idiot, Vince. You want to try again? Uh, ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. I'm, I'm so sorry, Vince. There's probably ben people out there that are. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> They're probably yelling at the radio. I'm sure they okay. are. It's okay. <laughs> this second president proposed a continental army. A continental army. This was a very difficult sell in this new country. Who was the second president? Is that John Adams? You are correct. All right. I was going to give you a hint and say that I believe his son became president later as well. 1935, this is an organization that's founded, helped a whole lot of people who, uh, let's just say, loved to tip the bottle. Uh, would that be Alcoholics Anonymous? Alcoholics Anonymous, indeed. Okay. 1935 is the year for that. 1940, as you know, the world was in the midst of war at the time, and Norway surrendered to this country. Mm, Germany? Germany is correct. 1943. One of those other wonderful things that improved the quality of life. Laszlo Biro got a patent for this product 
it has a great impact on our writing, as in W-R-I-T-I-N-G, hmm. in terms of the instruments that we use to write with. That be the ballpoint pen? The ballpoint pen oh, is absolutely correct. I'm on fire today. Aren't you on a streak? Let's go. Thoroughly impressed. Thank you. 1948, this one's a little tricky. But we finally told the world about Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager did something the year before. I don't know why we waited to tell about this. But he did something very significant. It has something to do with speed. What was it? Uh, did he break the land or the the land speed barrier record? Is that how you would say that? Uh, did he reach Mach 1? Sound barrier. Sound actually. barrier. That's what I was looking for. You're so close. That's okay. Just a little off, but you had the right idea. Absolutely impressive here. 1980 is this year. 1980. And this person in South Africa wrote from prison, Unite, mobilize, fight on. This man would later become the president of South Africa. Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela is absolutely correct. I know you weren't around in this era, but you may remember this little spectacle that occurred from word of mouth anyway. What year were you born? Uh, 1991. This would have been six years before. Okay. This company announced it was bringing back this product to replace the old product that nobody wanted. Uh, would that be Coca-Cola? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Going back right. to classic, correct? Yes. Yep. They announced they were bringing back old Coke to replace the new Coke mm -hmm. that nobody asked for in the first place. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? <laughs> and then we go to 2007. The last episode of this cult favorite show aired, and people were really ticked off about it. What was the show? Uh, the Sopranos? Sopranos. I was going to give you a hint. Turns out. You didn't even need one. You told me they were ticked off about it, and instantly <laughs> I knew, because it was so controversial how it ended. Are you a Soprano fan? Uh, I like The Sopranos. I, I wouldn't call myself like a like an Uber fan, but I think it's a fantastic show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very, very cool. We go to, oh my goodness, a very crazy story. This is just, you know, beyond crazy, this is just absolutely stupid. What do you have for breakfast normally, by the way? Uh, I usually have like a Nutrigrain bar, just something to get me going, put on my stomach. Um, I'm not a huge breakfast guy myself. Something healthy. Yes. Well, I'm very impressed that you don't have some of these sweet. One of the things that blows my mind that people have these really sweet things for breakfast, I can't do it. If I'm going to have breakfast, I'm going to have a real breakfast, as in bacon, sausage, eggs, whatever. Uh, it's got to be some substance. You know, cereal doesn't cut it either. Although, sometimes I will have something like Raisin Bran. But anyway, I digress. Get a load of this story out of Florida. Two roommates fought over a popular breakfast treat. And one ended up behind bars. According to the Orange County Sheriff's Office, a deputy responded to the student living community near the University of Central Florida. The officer made contact with an individual in the living room who said his roommate had stabbed him following an incident over food. The two were arguing over past incidents where someone ate a toaster strudel. Can you believe this? 
I love toaster strudels, but <laughs> not that much. <laughs> yeah, the slogan for this is something better just popped up. Well, the victim told the deputy that during the altercation, Griffin Crystal first slapped his cell phone out of his hand and used pepper spray. The victim was washing irritant off his face at the sink. The 21-year-old allegedly lunged at him from behind with a metal pot and ultimately pulled out a pocket knife. Remember what this is over, folks. This was caught on video, according to police report. In the footage, investigators heard Crystal calling his roommate a B, the B word, and a criminal before allegedly attacking him. Don't make me use this, the suspect heard saying on the video. Then I'm going to stab you. A third roommate witnessed the fight, corroborated, corroborated the story told by the victim, who was treated on the scene for a deep gash to his hand and forearm. All of this over a toaster strudel. What are we doing, Vince? What is wrong with these people? Mm. <laughs> Our time is up, folks. Have yourselves a great weekend, and God bless you. Take care. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 